Welcome back. back to the Slutpreneur Podcast. You're listening to two sluts who like to make money. I'm Anna D, the professional goddess, here to give you a sneak peek inside my life as a girl boss, mentor, retired cam girl and stripper, viral TikToker, and top performing OnlyFans creator. I share the ups and downs of running my multi-million dollar businesses and the fucked up road to riches. And I'm Liz, the other brain behind the professional goddess and the bitch that keeps shit running. Get ready to hear about all the behind-the-scene moments at the mothership, what it's really like to work with the professional goddess, and just exactly how we turn out viral content that leaves you throbbing. So come take a peek inside our pleasure chest of everything sexy, slutty, and business for our hustle and honeys. So whether you're a beginner slut or a retired hoe, or just a bad bitch here for the tea, we've got something for you. And after a decade of experience creating a female-ran empire, and all the lessons learned climbing up the corporate ladder. We welcome you on our journey to the slutty path to success. So grab your notes, put on your crown, and And let's let's get get down down to fucking business. Let's introduce Miss Freya Graf to the show. She is a yoni mapping therapist and holistic sex coach. She is the host of the Labia Lounge podcast, where you can learn all things sexuality, womanhood, holistic health, and everything in between your legs. We love a slutrepreneur who demystifies, destigmatizes, empowers, and educates. Welcome to the show, Freya. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here. It was so much fun when you interviewed me last week. And it's always funny because, A, I wasn't asking you anything. But for the moments you shared about what you did in your line of work, I was like, oh, my God, I have to share this with the world. It's so important. (laughs) So I'm so excited for Liz and I to get down to the nitty grittiness of, of your work and just your whole you know, movement behind it. And I guess we should just start from the fucking beginning. Yeah. As respectfully as I can say, let's dive right into your yoni. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Where are you from? Where where are you at, girl? Okay. Okay. Um, So I'm in Australia. Uh, I'm in Western Australia at the moment, but I am from Victoria. Basically, I am a yoni mapping therapist and a holistic sex coach. So the sex coach part of that is like relatively self-explanatory, although sometimes I do get people kind of going, wait a second. So are you like in the bedroom with couples and like blowing a whistle at them or something? But the yoni mapping is a little bit more fringe, a little bit more niche. A lot of people haven't heard of it. And yeah, I mean, I can go into that if you like. Well, yeah, tell us what yoni match. Let's well, hold on. Let's start with the sex coaching because did that kind of lead into the yoni mapping? I know you mentioned that you were a masseuse who did a bit of tantric massage and then it kind of went, you know, down into this niche. But what made you want to do sex coaching in the first place? Yeah, well, I think it was just a classic story of, um, you know, taking your biggest fear or your, you know, your weakness and and creating magic out of that and, and turning it around into your biggest strength. Because I had... Oof, I had so much shit around sex. I was I was really um racked with shame and guilt and self-consciousness and a lot of trauma. So I was in a pretty stuck place with regards to my own sexuality and my own relationship to my body and being sensual and pleasure and things like that. And um, what what age were you when this kind of discomfort about sex occurred? It was always there. I was always really really strange when it came to 
intimacy and it's it's a really funny I'm almost half expecting you know when I hit my 50s or something just some horrific repressed memory to surface or or whatever because it actually makes no sense to me why I was so fucked up around sex because I didn't have any you know major or explicit trauma that happened there wasn't like a a sexual assault or anything but I did I did have a lot of boyfriends who would would actually ask me like did you did something happen to you did someone molest you did you get raped like what what's going on because I was so messed up around it and there wasn't really much of an explanation so from the moment that I started exploring you know when I was a teenager I always had so many hang-ups around like my body my body hair being naked in front of a partner like I'd be with a partner for like three years and I and I wouldn't let him see me naked I was so self-conscious I wouldn't I wouldn't let him go down on me I couldn't do any kind of oral sex like if my face got near a cock I would start to like break out in a hot sweat and get shaky and like feel like crying so there was pretty much like a huge list of things that I wouldn't or couldn't do sexually and that was really limiting and so eventually I started feeling like oh my god I must just be asexual maybe I just don't you know, I'm not cut out for this stuff. And it really, it really hindered my relationships because I just couldn't, I couldn't get comfortable with sharing my body in that way with people. And sex was just this thing that I like had to get out of the way for the guy. Well, Um, do you think it had to do with your sex education or your parents? Probably a combo of everything. Like the more I've sort of delved into this work and the more clients I've spoken to about their experiences, the more I'm realizing like there doesn't even have to be any one, you know, any major mm-hmm. or obvious trauma that happens. We're constantly bombarded with shitty negative conditioning and we're socialized to believe that our bodies are dirty and shameful. Like we have awful sex ed if we get any sex ed at all so like I had a tiny bit in school but it was it was yeah pretty basic and definitely not around body positivity or female pleasure and like I didn't actually have a religious upbringing that's often a really big a big thing that contributes to you know having a troubled relationship with sexuality later in life and so like when I look at my parents and stuff I'm like "Mm." they didn't they didn't really ever say anything explicitly negative around sex but it was more that it just wasn't spoken about at all and it was so embarrassing to even contemplate Mm -hmm. talking about any of that with them like it just wasn't done so I think like implicitly there was just this unspoken um thing that you didn't talk about it it was shameful or it was something you shouldn't do and I just internalized that and then paired with that there was like all of the crappy conditioning and and sort of negative belief systems in our culture from the media from porn from you know other adults that I had um tiny bits of sex education from at school like it all just kind of contributed I think um were were your friends like fairly sexually active did that kind of contrast to you to like question yourself at all Yeah, like it was always something that I wanted to work on and felt really like embarrassed and awkward about because my friends were way more free with it. And, um, you know, I remember one friend talking about, or I think it was like my friend's older sister, who I obviously was like, oh my God, she's older and I look up to her. And she was talking about getting herself off and masturbating. And I just couldn't even believe it. I was like, what the fuck? Like (laughs) you do that and, and you enjoy it and like you don't feel weird about that like I I didn't even touch myself at all for pleasure until I was like 20 so yeah like my friends were a bit more free but also 
they got slut shamed and there was like this horrible dynamic. I went to like a tiny little country school and so obviously lots of gossip, lots of bullying and I saw that the girls that were a bit more um, empowered or I don't know if they would would actually say they're empowered, they were, you know, they were exploring and they were trying to be empowered about it but then the guys were – pretty awful it was pretty it was a pretty gross culture um I don't know if you know like Aussie bogan culture but you know Aussie boy teenagers are little cunts <laughs> and there was so much talk about like oh she's got a smelly pussy or she's a slut or she puts out or you know like all of that really derogatory stuff around a woman just you know having a fun time just existing <laughs> yeah yeah so I obviously would like see how they were acting hear how everyone was talking and then take that on and be like oh my god I don't want to be I don't want to be talked about like that. I don't want to be that person who's easy or who's a slut or whatever. So I think there was just so many different like external sources that were coming at me all the time, basically, yeah, telling me that like sex was not a vibe if I wanted to be respected as a woman. We could have an entirely different world if sex ed was just done right was Mm -hmm. just done correctly if we were just taught at a young age what our bodies are actually doing the fact that it's not gross it's not weird it's not all of this and like Mm -hmm. if it had just been instilled in all of us that our bodies are natural and we're supposed to love them and we're supposed to praise them we'd all be a little different oh my god totally preach (laughs) I mean if you could in your own words dictate what sex ed could potentially be like in school what would your like foundation of that look like oh my god it would be completely different like at the moment like if you get a sex ed at all it's pretty much like about dick in vag insemination like you know maybe what you're going to go through in puberty and then how to make a baby and you know contraception like it's it's that's pretty much the extent of it and it's very medicalized and there's a lot of like shaminess and I would flip that completely like obviously you need the you know the biological stuff and puberty things all of that but biggest foundation like the thing that I would create as the foundation would be all about boundaries consent communication like clear healthy mature communication body image and self-esteem stuff and then pleasure like I would actually want to really talk about how important pleasure is and the role that that plays and how we can use solo pleasure to get to know our own bodies and create a precedent with ourselves that then you know makes sure we have higher standards with a partner so that we're expecting to be treated you know, in the right way. So it would all be around like, yeah, boundaries and communicating and actually like the relating part of it. Because I feel like if people can't actually have a conversation about sex and boundaries, if they can't talk about what they like, what they don't like, what they don't want someone to do, you know, what their what their hard nose are, if they can't have a conversation about like STI testing or status, if they can't just fucking talk about this shit, like then they're not mature enough to be having sex. They should not be having sex. Like all of this stuff goes on in in high school and when you're a teenager or, you know, in your early 20s where we're having all this sex where the blind leading the blind out there, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. They're probably getting it from porn or, you know, chatting to their mates and no one's any good at communicating and talking about this stuff. So like all sorts of shit goes down because of that lack of 
you know, confidence or self-esteem to actually communicate. And I think like if we all had that, if we knew about, if we knew about pleasure and the fact that sex is, you know, primarily for pleasure, really, like how often are you trying to have a fucking baby? Like not that often. (laughs) Never, never over here. I am never trying to have a baby. Yeah. And like, I think so many, so many chicks grow up thinking like, like sex is for the pleasure of the other partner, you know, and usually the guy. Whereas like, if we felt completely like worthy of pleasure and entitled to pleasure and entitled to having like time spent on us and our bodies and being worshipped and just devoured and totally respected and asked, you know, checked in with, asked what we like, if we're enjoying it, what they could do to, you know, help please us more or like what what things we aren't comfortable with. Like, can you even imagine like how different that would be if, if girls had that level of like body literacy and self-esteem and confidence and comfortability with talking about sex and, and asserting themselves because they knew they were worthy of pleasure. Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. I, I It's funny. I was on TikTok last night and this sexy ways to ask for consent came up and I wanted to share these because I was like, oh, these are actually really nice because I, I think there's a lot of listeners who you know, even if you're doing like one night, you know, a one night stand or just like a, a quick little hookup, like mm. consent sometimes cannot be sexy, if that makes sense. Yeah. So the first one is, can I touch you here? Like pretty sexy. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is, show me what you want. Nice. That one. <laughs> and then we have, should I keep going? Not mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. And does this feel good? I think that one's real natural. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And are you having a good time with me? Like just kind of reiterating, you know, is this good? Is this okay? So I wanted to share those. And also what you mentioned, I thought, you know, in the States here, it's it feels like religion is also hammered in schools a lot. Yeah. Or, you know, the big guys who are in charge are usually coming from a religious background. So mm. again, the pleasure aspect of sex, there's no context about that. So could you imagine taking religion out of sex ed and you know, if we're going to be talking about health, why not have some sort of, I mean, I don't want to suggest like healthcare in schools, but imagine a world where you could get birth control at school and make an appointment with a doctor there after your sex ed class. I mean, I'm sure the parents would rage, but could you, could you, (laughs) I wish I was talking about health as a kid and not hell. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Down here in the South, because we're we're down here in the Bible belt. They're they're hand in hand. You touch yourself, you're going to hell. Because all I remember in sex ed was they were like abstinence is how you not have a baby. Oh, you just to have sex, but we're going to talk about abstinence. Yeah, I mean, all the teenagers are fucking in the bathroom after class. Real good that did. Or their teachers are fucking the students, right? Yeah, that happened to one of my friends in middle school. That was a fun, <gasps> no. horrible, horrible situation. Aww. But, you know, of course, they they definitely, I know in that situation, they felt, oh, I'm I'm empowered. I'm with a teacher. And like, mm, <laughs> that's like their, their brain hasn't even developed yet. Correct. Oh, like, looking back, it's like, you don't realize in the moment what you was doing, girl. So Freya, Mm -hmm. this gray area between feeling not so empowered with all the, what did you call them? The boys who are cunty? What are, what do we call them? Aussies? (laughs) Aussie Bogans. (laughs) Aussie Bogans. (laughs) 
So between them and now feeling like you could own one yourself, this gray area, was that was it like a fire in you when you like when did the metamorphosis start coming about when because now you're teaching how to have self pleasure and you were in a place where that was something to be completely embarrassed about? Like, was there a moment? Was there a situation? Or was it gradual? Eventually, I was just like, oh my God, enough's enough. Like, I can't live like this. It's affecting my relationships. It's affecting how I move in the world and my confidence. And I think I I kind of couldn't have leapt straight in though. I, I was often having conversations with friends and being like, oh my God, like, do you think maybe you could just help me, you know, talk to me about how you give a blowjob and, and I can just slowly try to get over my fear around that or whatever. But I didn't actually start intensively working on it until I'd kind of gone into the personal development world to work on myself in other ways. Like I had some mental health stuff and depression and anxiety. And so I kind of started working on myself in a whole bunch of other ways. And that was, you know, feeling really amazing and empowering. And I was like, oh my God, I'm actually managing to shift my mindset and help myself. Um, And I got off antidepressants and all of this. And then I was like, fuck, like I could I could totally just start tackling sex now. Like I'd gotten to the place where I was like, all right, I've done all this work on myself. I'm feeling a lot better. I'm feeling more confident in my ability to actually shift stuff that I thought was, you know, I was I was stuck with for life. So I was like, all right, last frontier, like sex, let's do this fucking thing. And I went to like a bunch of tantric practitioner trainings and like sacred sexuality workshops and just sort of delved in that way by going to different like retreats and trainings and workshops and stuff. And then I actually, yeah, I just worked on my own stuff around sexuality for a couple of years and then started actually learning to work with men. So I was doing like lingam massage and um, anal de-armoring. So like cock worship, cock massage and um, butthole fingering, like prostate massage and stuff. So, but like very tantric, you know, it was was sort of like they don't believe in ejaculation. It's all for like de-armoring and worshiping the the masculine and um, trauma release and things like that. So two two steps back, tantra. Give us us a basic version of tantra. I guess, I mean, Tantra is super, super ancient. I I did like, I guess what you would call neo-Tantra practices because that's sort of more of a modern take that they've brought over to the West. Whereas like Tantra, it's like yoga. It's ancient. It's, there's lots of different branches of it. There's lots of different um, lineages and and ways people can practice it. Um, You know, white Tantra, pink Tantra, blah, blah, blah. I just did like your stock standard Western, westernized-ish neo-tantra, which is kind of all about using sexual energy as life force energy that you can create things in the, you know, you can create things within the world, you can heal things within yourself, you can see the see the person you're having sex with as like totally divine and and worship them rather than just like trying to trying to fuck them and get the end result. So it's all about like using that sexual energy, drawing out the sessions, like long, long sessions of foreplay and you know, the energy flowing back and forth between you without ejaculation happening. And there's a, like, I was sort of doing more like the bodywork side of it. Well, is, I wonder, is is tantric massage even legal in the States? Because it I feel like it can get to, um, you know, people coming in for wanting a happy ending and whatnot, like really quickly. Mm. And I don't know about the regulations here for that versus Australia, but 
is were the clients necessarily truly wanting tantric experiences? No, well, that's the thing. That's why I kind of stopped doing it because I don't know. It's such a gray area. I don't know that it's completely illegal, but it's definitely not like legal. It's it's a bit, any kind of genital touch is a bit like, oh, hang on. So I was kind of having to advertise on all of the same kind of places as you would advertise if you were doing happy endings and erotic massage, because there isn't really a good way of, I mean, it's so underground and it's so niche, this whole tantric thing that like, it was tricky to actually find clients. And unless they were through word of mouth through the tantric communities, and I knew that they were there for that particular experience, you know, it was strangers coming in off the street from online who, regardless of how I worded my ad, regardless of like my screening process and how insistent I was that like, this is not, this is not a happy ending. This is, there isn't going to be ejaculation. Orgasm is not the goal. This is for healing. This is for release, blah, blah, blah. There would still be people that rocked up and, you know, wanted that. And I think because you can't even explicitly say on some of these websites, it's a happy ending they would think I was just saying that to be safe. Do you know what I mean? Like they thought it was all yeah, code. They, they thought you were coding it. So they were going to show up getting what they wanted and they show up and you're like, I will not be making you come today. Do you still want to stay? Yeah. And they, yeah. And they still wouldn't even, either they wouldn't believe me or that would just be like, oh, that's fine. Like I can just push her boundaries. And then when the time came, they would try to insist or like push me to make them come or offer me more money to let them, you know, go down on me. Or there was just like so much kind of seediness and like pushing of boundaries, even though I was really clear, they would always try to get more or push. And because I was working from my home, I was like, fuck, this is pretty unsafe. Like this isn't going how I wanted it to go. And I'm sure, you know, cause I was young and I was new to it I probably could have been gotten better at the boundaries thing gotten better at the screening process and started like energetically attracting in the right sort of clients that I was after but you know I just eventually was like oh my god fuck this I can't be bothered with you know weeding through hundreds of dudes trying to find the one you know golden goose of a client that actually is on the same page as me and it was very draining and you know quite scary at times um, some of the situations that I would kind of get into so I ended up just moving away from that and um and just doing coaching online and then um, learning to do yoni massage for women. And so I just pretty much exclusively see women clients for the body work nowadays because none of them have tried to fucking fuck me. <laughs> well, let, let me ask this. I can, I see, you know, how scared and timid you must have been when you were younger. Is, is there a switch when you're in a tantric massage session and the eyes aren't on you. It's like you have the power to work on someone else and focus on their butthole versus you. Like, is that kind of comforting in a way? And the fact that it's more professional? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely more, you are more in control than if they're looking at you or touching you. But the thing is like, they will try to touch you during the massage. They'll try to like, I mean, not, not everyone, but it was almost like I had to be constantly on guard because they would try to get interactive with it. And it's not like I was at a strip club where there was bouncers and I could just be like, hey, dude, like they're fucking feeling me up. Can you sort that out? I was like pretty much just there being like, no, like stop that. I said no. You're not, you're not allowed to touch me. But then, you know, that classic thing where I don't know if, if you've experienced this, but it's this classic thing where like men in particular will push your boundaries in this in this way that 
I think for women who are quite empathetic and quite people-pleasing by nature often, mm-hmm. we will give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll give them a second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. Like, so they would be like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, I, I promise I won't do it again. I, I couldn't help it. I just like totally forgot and I'm really, really sorry. And then you'll be like – all right, but don't do it again. And then you'll start massaging again. And then they'll, they'll like wait a little while and it'll all be fine. And then they'll do it again. And then they'll be, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, get out. And then they're like pleading with me. And so I just like probably needed to say no the very first time, but because I let it slide like once or twice and they were so apologetic and often quite manipulative, I kind of let it go a little bit longer than I should have. And then eventually I'd be like, no, like get out of my house now. Like you've crossed my line. Did you Um, ever have any like protection on you? Like, did you, did you ever feel actually fucking scared? No, I didn't. I didn't feel. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I didn't feel actually like too threatened or scared. And I'm pretty, I'm pretty sort of strong and savvy. Like I, I, I wouldn't, Um, I mean, who knows? I haven't been in the situation where someone's actually physically tried to force themselves on me, but I like to think that like, I'm quick, like I'm fast, I'm quite strong. I'm so ready to punch and kick in the nuts and do all the things. Like I'm so ready to do that. Like I don't freeze up. I just get fucking angry. So I think like it would have been okay, but (laughs) I don't know. She's like, let me stab someone in the balls right now. I would have a bullwhip mounted to the wall in a row of my blades for babes knives. And I'd just be like, this is what happens if you cross my lines. Oh, so good. I wish I had that. Yeah. Liz is the one I call and I need to dominate someone in my DMs. She can do it way better than me. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I needed a Liz for sure. <laughs> I, will, I will ruin a man and smile while I do it. Love <laughs> so, I mean, butthole massage, that's a real thing? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like the equivalent of what I do with women now vaginally, but with with men, obviously, they don't have a vaginal cavity. <laughs> so we go up the other cavity and um, and do a bit of prostate massage. There's something very, very vulnerable and very opening and cleansing for a man to be penetrated. And a lot of these guys like don't don't really do that in their like private lives or their sexual lives or hadn't explored that there's a lot of like you know that that sort of homophobia where they're like oh but I'm not gay I don't want something up my bum um going on so it's really fucking cool and really powerful to um to yeah do some anal massage for a guy and and obviously I'm doing like cock massage as well and they've just had a full body massage and they're really relaxed they're feeling really like really safe and really worshipped and and often it would be a space where they actually had huge emotional releases and they cried or they had a big energetic like heartgasm or they like finally realized you know I think if you if you're a guy and you you like refuse to be penetrated I don't think you could ever possibly be as good at fucking a woman as a guy who has been penetrated because it gives you this like amazing, amazing experience of what it's like to be the receptive pole in that equation and have filled up. Yeah. And, and like how slow and gentle you need to go at first and how, how tender and cautious, you know, especially when it's the first time, it's like so important to be like super, super, super slow and gentle and, and for them to feel that and have that experience, I think then they would be in, they're just in this amazing position to like understand better 
how they need to approach a vagina. And you don't always have to go that slow and tender and gentle, especially Mm -hmm. vaginas and buttholes are different. But it is really good for them to get that point of reference because then I think they approach a woman's body very differently differently after that yesterday i literally talked to someone who said they are with a partner right now who got a vasectomy and how they ended up with nerve damage on the right side of their shaft or something like that and she said that they really she really enjoys pegging him or excuse me he really enjoys her pegging him because it gets him you know there's nerves Mm. there and he can get stimulation there and i was like wow that's really like cool that you you know he found a pain point in his life and he was open to finding pleasure in other ways and you were also receptive of giving him that pleasure and even if it's not full penetration but like outside of the butthole it's just Mm. a whole beautiful experience I mean Mm. even with (laughs) I don't want to get too personal with my sex life lately but just like I mean, eating ass is amazing when you can give someone that pleasure and like you are also enjoying it. It is. I mean, there's just so much besides penetration that is like fucking life changing. It is delicious. Mm. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So special. I feel like this something I've I've seen a lot on social media recently scrolling through the TikToks is um, I've started to follow a lot of people that kind of do like a lot of stretching and things and talk a lot about tapping into some of those traumas that that live in our body and our pelvic Mm. area and in our hips and in our waist because I feel like if I know my body I feel like if I start doing some of those and diving into it it's going to start releasing some things Mm. and I'm just trying to decide when I'm ready to start releasing those things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and this can kind of segue into the vaginal healing you're doing, which I feel like you've mentioned is where you've found some really strong purpose in. And I think the mm. collective of women are, it's like we're almost born into trauma <laughs> sometimes. And yeah. the majority will live their life without actively healing those traumas and particularly yeah. vaginally. And I am just overwhelmed with interest as to how a session with you would go with someone who has had trauma down there and how, you know, just, I guess a beginner session, like what that would look like. What would a first session, if someone's nervous coming in, what, what would they expect in their first Mm -hmm. session? Like, do they sign like a waiver and like, do you, do they give you a breakdown before they come in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think firstly, like you're so right. We pretty much, it's almost like trauma is just this thing that we're born into in, you know, we've all got some degree of trauma, whether it's intergenerational, whether it's happened in our lifetime, it can be, you know, as small as someone just bullying us for, you know, having no boobs or having a hairy pussy when we're in high school, such as I was bullied for, or it can be like something that's actually happened and, you know, our boundaries being crossed. So we've been violated. So we've all got a heap of shit around our bodies, our vaginas, sex, like, you know, no one, no, I don't really meet any, any woman who doesn't have some stuff around that. Well said. And like, everyone talks to me about it. You know, I meet someone there, as soon as they find out what I do, they start launching into like, you know, their experience Mm -hmm. in life. So I've talked to like thousands and thousands of women and yeah, that is one thing we all have in common, sadly. Like we all have some levels of sexual trauma. God's like, here's a vagina. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> totally. Oh my god. So uh, a first session, yeah, yeah. They totally they sign a uh, an intake form which has like a bunch of info, relevant info um, for me, and a consent form that just outlines like this is what's going to happen in a session. There is vaginal internal vaginal massage, you know, but you are completely in control the whole time, so you can say yes or no when we get there. So there's a consent form. I get a whole bunch of info from them to begin with. And then we, they roll in, they sit down, we have a pot of tea on the couch. Like it's all, I do it in my home so that it's very informal and it's comfortable and cozy and homey and it, and it feels like a safe space, nothing too clinical, nothing too sterile. Um, there's no like, I've tried doing it in practitioner spaces in shared like buildings and it's just not it doesn't create that safe container enough because you can hear people walking past the door or there's other sessions going on in different spaces in the building. And Mm -hmm. like sometimes my sessions get fucking loud and I don't want my clients to feel like they can't be as loud as they need to be when they're moving through that trauma. So it's nice that I have generally like a pretty private home space um, on like a country block. We have like a good hour, hour and a half just to chat and to talk about their sexual history, to talk about where they're at with their, their relationship to sex, their body, their, you know, if they have a partner, whether they're dating, what they're struggling with, what their pain points are, what they want to work on with me. We just, we pretty much get like the down low on why they've come and where they're at with all of that stuff. So it's a bit of um, talk therapy and a bit of sex coaching to begin with. And that's really important to develop trust and and rapport mm-hmm. and create that safety because this person like is going to be trusting me probably to put my fingers inside their vag so we can't just jump straight there like we every session is at least three hours long and the first half of it is talking fully clothed no touch and that's just you know that's to kind of get us to the point where then maybe they're going to be feeling safe and comfortable enough to Mm -hmm. take their clothes off and move towards the body work so I love your energy I'm already safe and comfortable right now (laughs) pour pour me a (laughs) cup of tea bitch into the trauma (laughs) yes um amazing well yeah like I mean that's the idea and I I think because I've come from where I've come from with my own trauma and my own sexuality I I really get it so I know that it's just incredibly important to ease them into it and no sudden movements like I I tell them before we move towards the body work I'm like okay so we're going to jump on the table I'm going to just like pre-frame what we're going to do so you know the general flow of things but this is like, this is completely down to you. You're in control. If you need, you know, anything at any point, you're empowered to say that. Like, I'm not going to actually do anything to you. Like, I'm in service to you. We're doing this, like, we're creating this experience together. It's a collaboration. I've got a framework for that. But within that, we can do whatever you need. So I'm not going to touch your pussy without asking you permission. I'm not going to put my finger inside without checking in and asking you permission and consent. Like, it's always going to be, you know, you're in control. And then so is the, I do. Is the, is the flow like top to bottom? Like, do you start kind of towards their face and do like breast massage before you go down there? Is there kind of like a, a flow to this to where yeah. the movement's happening? 
Yeah, so actually um, I trained in Kahuna Massage so that I could incorporate it in because Kahuna is like a form of Lomi Lomi and it's very flowy, very feminine, very, yeah, very sort of holistic. So I do a full body Kahuna Massage first, which kind of, it's like I do start with like the extremities, so the legs and the arms, and then I'm moving in towards the center of the body gradually as this is like the least the least Mm -hmm. invasive and the least intimidating kind of approach and female bodies really like to be approached from the outside in. So I'll do like the, the limbs and then I move towards like this, the stomach and I do a breast massage, make sure, you know, we give some, some love to the heart space and the boobies. And then I'll do like the pelvic area around the hips and the pelvis and the inner thighs. And at that point I jump up on the massage table with them. So I'm actually sitting on the table, um, straddling the table, and then their um, knees are like butterflied open, just resting on my thighs. So I'm central, and I can mm-hmm. I can get all around their hips, their inner thighs, underneath their bum, their sit bones. Um, and that whole pelvic area. And that's like really important to start like loosening up and releasing tension from that area and bringing blood flow into the pelvic bowl because that will soften all the tissues in there and help there be more relaxation and more sensation in there. My heart's like racing. <laughs> like, is she going to put her fingers in? Like I could, I just imagine the person, I mean, it's going through that flow yeah. state, but then it happening. Is it, um, or do you kind of talk, I'm sure you're talking through yeah, that stage as well, but is, do you reach orgasm in this massage or is it strictly massage? Um, It can be like, sometimes orgasm can happen, but it's not the goal. And because it's not the goal and I'm not actually like trying to make them come, it generally doesn't like there isn't this kind of, it's not an erotic massage. There's not sexual right. energy running between us. We're not, it's not like aimed at being, sexy or sexual although of course like it is somewhat like sometimes so I say to people like hey pleasure is so okay if that happens and you feel comfortable with it allow it don't reach for it or grasp for it or try to push an orgasm out of your body or like contract and like make one happen if you Mm -hmm. feel pleasure just breathe and like Spring is in the air, lovelies, and with it comes a fresh wave of energy, blossoming flowers, and endless possibilities. But you know what puts an extra skip in my step? My fabulous partners at Viahem. Trusted by a whopping 250,000 plus goddesses just like you, Viahem's products are just like a magical wellness wand in a bottle. Feeling a bit frazzled after a hectic day? Cue the Via gummies for instant relaxation. Battling stress and anxiety? Don't worry, there's a gummy for that too. And for those intimate moments, Via has concocted something truly special. High Love Gummies, infused with pleasure-boosting cannabinoids, libido-reviving herbs, and just the right touch of THC, these gummies are your ticket to an electrifying experience between the sheets. But wait, there's more. Via offers an array of other gummies, with or without THC, catering to every goddess's needs. Whether you prefer a subtle 2mg dose or a bolder 50mg kick, 
Vaya has your back. From improving sleep to sharpening focus or aiding in recovery, there's a gummy for every occasion. And the cherry on top? You can easily browse and shop their collection online, categorized by strength and effect. And here's the best part, darling. Vaya ships discreetly to all 50 states, right to your doorstep. No medical card needed. So go ahead, indulge in a little self-care spree with Vaya Hemp because you deserve nothing but the best, goddess. Head over to viahemp.com and use code goddess to receive 15% off and one free sample of their award-winning gummies 21 and up only that's viahemp v-i-i-a-h-e-m-p.com and use code goddess at checkout please support our show and tell them we sent you take your passion and pleasure to a whole new level with high love from viahemp now back to the show I'm going to facilitate you to just like continue opening your body and like breathing deeply and allowing the pleasure to flow, but not necessarily turn into like a peak orgasm. And because I'm like, I'm kind of, so, so just to go back to like, um, you know, I'm doing the, I'm doing the pelvic massage and then I'll ask them like, Hey, do you feel comfortable moving towards just some external vulva touch? And if they're down, I put on gloves, like disposable kind of like medical gloves. Mm -hmm. And I just do the external massage of the Yoni where I actually start communicating with them about like what I'm doing. And I'll be like, hey, so now I'm massaging your outer labia on the right side. How is that feeling? What are you noticing? And, um, you know, is it similar or different on this side when I, when I massage your inner labia on the left? And, uh, I'll just ask them, like, just be checking in and asking them what they're experiencing. If there's an emotion, if there's a memory, if there's like a sensation or a color, and that's just to kind of get them really observing what they're noticing in their body, like from a neutral place, like not like trying to make pleasure happen, trying to get to an outcome. It's just like, oh, wow, that's so interesting. No one has ever massaged that part of me before just individually and no one's ever, you know, done that kind of stroking in that way where I've actually had nothing expected of me back, you know, like it's such a neutral Mm. therapeutic space that it's a different experience being touched in those areas. Like any other time you've been touched on the vulva, it's either medical or it's sexual. And this is Gosh, like in I between. I don't even remember the last time I touched my lips. I am just like zap the clit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like a lot of the time these women are like, whoa, what the fuck? I had no idea. I had so much sensation there. Like I had no idea that felt like that. Or they're like, oh my God, I've got so much numbness and so much tension or pain. And so because they're like able to just observe their body from that neutral place rather than like thinking oh like you know in a sexual scenario you'd be receiving touch but at the same time you'd be thinking like oh like I've got to do something back to my partner or like oh I wonder like if he's trying to if he's going to go here next and I'm taking too long and I need to I need to make some sound or I need to come or I need to like do this thing for sexual gratification whereas this is like totally different they actually just get to lie there and experience basically getting a guided tour around their pussy (laughs) for the first time ever with like nothing expected of them back. So then I do the internal massage and I just like, I just say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to move towards internal work if you're comfortable with that. And I get their permission. And I just say, I'm going to hold a finger at the entrance and I'm not going to push my way in or force anything. I'm just going to hold it there. And if you do some deep breathing into your belly, let out a sigh on the exhale, like just 
we're gonna we're gonna go at the pace of your yoni and she's gonna invite me in or like allow me in and it could take 10 seconds it could take 10 minutes but I'm not gonna push we're just gonna wait until Uh your pussy draws my finger in wow holy shit yeah like who the fuck no one has an experience of their pussy being like that respected and that revered that it's allowed to call the shots you know like that's that's a healing experience for people on its own, you know? Wow. And and just the spectrum of clients too, because it could it could be, you know, just feeling all those emotions for the first time. But then on on the contrary, where if you're doing some trauma healing for you know, like a rape victim of some sort, yeah. that yeah. just the entrance alone is so powerful. Like you said, like mm. inviting your finger in, like that gives me fucking goosebumps to even yeah. think about. And you know, it, oh my gosh, like that's, this is so important. I went, oh my God. It's so important like, that none of us take the time. Well, Freya does. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> my kinky cannabis queens, come get your freak on and shop the first adult head shop on the internet. TheHornyStoner.com offers the glassware of your dreams. From beginner vibrators to expert anal trainers, enhance your self-pleasure journey. Are you a pothead princess? Wrap yourself in luxury with the gold rolling papers, vintage ashtrays, and stash jars fit for a queen. Maybe it's time to enhance your bubble bath routine with a silicone rubber ducky water pipe. It can float in the tub while you rub-a-dub-dub. Make your pussy proud and support your local dildo dealer at thehornystoner.com. Now back to the show. Finding the G spot is a whole, there could be an encyclopedia on it. And I'm sure (laughs) people who've sat on your table may have, I mean, let's, let's take away the trauma victims for a moment. Just finding that G spot in general on your end, could you phrase a way that could make the listener kind of follow that trail there? Because even Mm. myself, it's kind of like a one out of 10 time where I really feel confident in finding it and I'm feeling like I'm peeing and it's supposed to be like this mushy place and I don't really know where I am and I feel like I'm on a Rick and Morty episode or something. <laughs> love it. Love the Rick and Morty reference. Yeah, 100%. So that's something that's something I do in sessions is I give them a bit of a tour of their internal pleasure anatomy. So I'll show them how to find their G spot, their A spot, their cervix. I'll like actually... Whoa, what is the A spot? So the A spot is, is just above the G spot and it's also part of the urethral sponge. So this is this is a fun fact. The G spot is actually just another name for your urethral sponge, and the urethral sponge is like a sheath of erectile tissue that surrounds your urethra. So the like tube that your pee comes out. So literally, it doesn't like people are like oh my god, I can't find it. Like it's moving, and yeah, like sometimes it's a I've button got it or something. Yeah, it's not. It's like literally always in the exact same spot. It's it's like right behind your clitoris and pubic bone in the center so at like if your if your vag was a clock and your clitoris was 12 o'clock and your anus was six o'clock okay so right up the top at 12 o'clock on that front wall that is where your g-spot's going to be if you look at like where your pee hole is where your pee comes out it's just behind that because the g-spot is literally just a bunch of erectile tissue like spongy erectile tissue in a big puffy tube that surrounds your urethra so that it's cushioning it's cushioning the urethra from any kind of like you know friction based penetration or anything and what happens is like it changes 
size, depending on how aroused you are, because it's erectile tissue, if you're not aroused, it won't be as puffy and squishy because it's not full of blood. The more you get aroused, the more turned on you are, the more your erectile tissue becomes engorged and the more like sort of puffy and squidgy and squelchy it will feel. And then the pleasure will feel more as well. So like when you first start touching it, like in a session, I'll be like, okay, so I'm on your G-spot now. It might feel a bit tender or bruised. It might feel a bit like you need a wee because I'm squishing down on your pee hole or your, your pee tube. <laughs> so um, yummy. And it's close to your bladder. Like all that area, it's like close to your bladder. And the only other time you feel that sensation is when you need a wee. So your brain is like, oh my God, I'm going to piss. You're probably on your G-spot if you think that. And then you're contracting and you're not releasing because you don't want to piss all over the place. Totally, totally. So like if you persevere and you just keep massaging that spot and you're getting more aroused, maybe you involve the clitoris at the same time, your G-spot will become puffed up with blood and engorged and it will start feeling more and more and more pleasurable. And that's, you know, where you squirt from as well. So I was about to say, I'm a squirter. I'm I'm concerned that if I did this, the table would be soaked afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I say to people, like, if if anything like that happens, it's so fine. Like, don't don't worry about <laughs> that. Like, it's I've seen it all. Farts happen, you know, like... You just it's put your, your shit shield on and let the squirt just <laughs> yeah. waterfall let my yoni do what it needs to get rid of yeah but I mean honestly no one has ever squirted on the table it's like you'd need quite consistent rhythmic stimulation for like a good right. while before that would happen so I'm kind of just giving them an idea of where things are what it feels like yeah. I don't like you can tell you can tell if their bodies start to like build arousal and they're about to come and I just don't I just don't aim for that or tip them over the edge I'm that that would probably feel really confronting to a lot of women so I don't try to push them into arousal because then they might feel shame or they might be uncomfortable it's more just like showing them where things are and the way that you can so the g-spot also feels like a little bit bumpy like the ridges on the roof of your mouth or like maybe a bit like a raspberry, some people describe it. So it's, it's like, yeah, it's in the center, that 12 o'clock area, and there's gutters down on either side of it. So you'll be able to feel it's a different texture to the rest of the the walls that you're feeling. So I was having sex with a girl once and she, I was using my Hitachi vibrating wand, but she was pushing down on my tummy, like under my belly button above my mm-hmm. clit, like above my... Like just above your pubic bone where it gets fleshy? Yes. So she yeah. was like pushing down really hard on it. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, bitch? <laughs> She's like, you're going to come... She's like, you're going to come so much harder. And now I understand that she was pushing topically on the other side of my G-spot, which yeah. kind of makes sense now when you think about you know the clock and everything. So now when mm-hmm. I am vibrating myself, if I'm not you know, sometimes it's a lot to be vibrating and trying to get your G-spot with your fingers or a toy. So just by like pushing down on that pelvic bone, even if Mm -hmm. you're, you know, having sex with somebody, it can put pressure on the G-spot and then provide, you know, a little more pleasure there as well. And I'm like, oh, the more you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's probably the A-spot there because it's just a bit higher up from the G-spot, which is like a different section of the urethral sponge, but it's all connected. So often like the A-spot and the G-spot, if you can stroke them both in the one movement, then that's like golden. Um, And I like to put like fingers inside on the G-spot and the A-spot and then the fingers outside just above your pubic bone and you can kind of like actually meet 
meet your fingers mm-hmm. and that can feel really good. So she was probably, yeah, she's probably like trying out that pro move. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I also read that if you have a full bladder before you have sex, that it can actually intensify the orgasm possibly. Yeah, it can. The, it the weight of the sponge perhaps. Yeah. Maybe. It can like some people like enemas and fill up a little bit. God, (laughs) yeah. I mean, I can see how that would work. It probably wouldn't be for everyone. I mean, the feeling of needing to wee, especially if you're a squirter, you might be like, "Oh my god!" Like, am I going to squirt or am I going to pee? That might actually take you out of it. Uh -uh, Pee before sex. <laughs> but people have like pegasms. Like, if you need a wee while you're having sex and you get really close to coming, or you do have one or two orgasms, and then you pee afterwards, you sit on the toilet and you urinate. Sometimes then you have like an orgasm while you're urinating. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's a thing. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> I've learned so much more useful stuff here than I have in any American sex ed class. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I. I'm like, I'm already Googling if tantric massage is legal in the States. And what I'm reading is that as long as there's no penetration, then it's legal. It's just this this big gray area here. Right. Okay. Very interesting. Oh, but there's so much like the internal stuff is like the most, that's when like the most healing happens, the most like, I mean, because what you're doing, like what we're doing is creating new neural pathways for these women. Like we're connecting all these areas inside the vagina that have not really known that they existed up until this point, because we just, we pretty much treat the vagina like a penis shaped tube. And you know, the dick goes in or the dildo goes in or your fingers go in and maybe the G spot if you're lucky, but really all of the walls, like the back, like I can massage like muscles in your bum, like your like in your glutes, like through your vagina, I can touch your wow. tailbone and your sacrum through the vagina. I'm like massaging like this whole pelvic space in there, which like not only releases tension and therefore allows better circulation and better pleasure, but it's like it's creating these like these this map in your brain to connect, you know, these new neural pathways and and basically give you I don't know, a better, a better like idea of that whole internal landscape so that you're, you're familiar with your own body in this way, but also it enhances pleasure because you're actually like bringing these areas online, like you're activating them. And once there's neural pathways and they know they exist and you like give them regular touch, they're going to be capable of so much more pleasure. So you can have like Ah. internal vaginal orgasms and cervical orgasms. And, you know, we're also releasing trauma in there. Like haven't even spoken about that. Like people often have huge trauma releases and have emotions arise or memories and things that they need to like get out that have been stored in the tissues inside their vaginas. Once you release that, like obviously then you're going to be delving into like deeper layers of pleasure that you can access. So yeah. Can you imagine someone who has gone through trauma and then they, they have a session with you and while you're exploring the pelvic walls, they are actively discussing this trauma they went through while being activated in a positive way, how that's reversing the damage of the trauma. Mm. Like I don't, Mm. I can't name one person in my life that's had that experience. And it's, this feels like godly in a way like that is it's Mm. so like the type of healing this is is leaps and bounds I mean it's life-changing people die without healing this trauma it's the type of trauma they push under the rug so Mm -hmm. deep and it creates generational trauma so Mm -hmm. just that experience of alone like imagine 
you had a really bad car crash, but you couldn't recreate that car crash and have a therapist next to you, like talk about it with you. That's just impossible. But this is insane that that can happen. So how, you know, roughly, would you say if someone has been, I mean, a rape victim is the only thing that comes to mind Mm -hmm. instantly, but could it take, do you see like three to five sessions with that type of trauma? Or do you have ongoing clients? Or do you feel like there's the client that just comes like once, and then that's all they need? Yeah, it it really depends. Sometimes people just come for one session and that's all they kind of need and it's more for the educational side of it and just having the experience and I give them home play to take home and do themselves as well to like continue the work so that they don't like need to keep coming back necessarily, but I do find like the more major the trauma the more sessions they'll need, but then they might be seeing a trauma specialist and a therapist, or they might've done heaps of work on that trauma, like talk therapy for years. And then they're just coming to me for like that final piece of the puzzle, which is just actually physical touch Mm -hmm. and release. Like, so then, you know, we might do three to five sessions, a few clients who have got really major stuff, you know, and, and lots of different things, lots of different layers to work on. They might come for a session every like two or three months for like a couple of years. I've got a few clients Mm -hmm. like that that have been seeing me for a few years and, you know, even just coming for like top-ups and stuff when things arise or when they want to tap back into that space. Um, But it's so different. Like everyone's super, super different with like how they heal and the pace and, and how much support they need with that. But I love working with people for at least a few sessions because we can kind of go deeper in every session. And, you know, like I might be able to give them a little guided tour of all their different bits and bobs in the first session. And then the second session, mm-hmm. we might just focus totally on the G sport, totally on the cervix, or if they've got trauma in a particular area, like their perineum from childbirth, or maybe like they had an abortion mm. or an a, 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 a IUD oh got lodged in their cervix. Like there's scar tissue, so we can. That. Oh yeah, like, like prenatal, postnatal. That's a big, big one that I that I work with. Really, I mean, not, are, are do you have children? No, no. no. So yeah, Liz mm. and I don't either. So that's something I'm. I don't really have that experience with. But what are the common things with post childbirth trauma? Well, there's like the physical stuff. So if there's been a tear or an episiotomy or some kind of, yeah, like physical trauma to the area which creates scar tissue and and then obviously scar tissue can start, it, it migrates in the body. It just keeps like spreading and then it will adhere to things nearby and you really don't want it to adhere to things like around your reproductive organs or like in the vagina because then it's constricting blood flow. It's starting to pull things out of place and twist things up. So we work on the scar tissue. A lot of the time though, people have had just like emotionally, like psychologically disempowering birth experiences where they've been in the hospital and the doctor has like not not treated them, you know, in an empowering way. They've taken their taken their power away completely and basically just been thrown into all of these interventions mm-hmm. and all of this hectic shit has happened to them and it's it's like more like obviously their body's gone through this really massive trauma. But then emotionally they're very scarred from the way they were treated and how their power was taken away and how out of control it all was. No, I know that happened a lot with like minorities um and i I know one thing is that in in the medical field there's some form of like a pain scale or something or some some way on the back end when they are looking at a grand scheme of things 
trying to figure out the success rate and like what they need to do if they need to switch from a natural birth to a C-section. And just based on how, where all of our stuff comes from in history, and a lot of it comes like from racist backgrounds, they, African-Americans have a pain scale that literally takes the fact just that they are black and raises the, it's either like raise, I think it's raises the amount of pain that they're supposed to be able to like withstand and endure and makes it just a completely uneven playing field. So no. I, I can only imagine the the trauma from that. You're you're literally you're at this place where you're supposed to have a team that is literally helping you push or get mm. a baby out of you, and then all of a sudden you're hearing, oh well, well I know you want this, but we think this is going to be better, or this is going to be safer, or we're not actually going to listen to what you want about your body, and I, I can't even imagine. Oh, totally. Then they sew you up and send you home, and then you're supposed to be warrior mother with a baby. How are you supposed to even think about your fucking vagina? You know, no. and then it's like every time you go to the bathroom to pee, you're in pain. And like, you know, who knows if your husband is asking about that? Cause I'm sure he's probably, you know, just so scared that there's like this third heartbeat in the house that he can't let die. <laughs> you know, like that's so many layers. I just can't fucking imagine. Oh, I don't want kids. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I know. I mean, have you heard of the stretch and sweep? Like some clients come in and they're like, I cannot even tell you how fucking painful it was. And they just like the doctors have just done it without even asking. They've just like shoved their fingers in and then they like shove their fingers into your cervix and basically like stretch it, like sweep around with their fingers to like stretch it out to help us like push labor further. It's it's super like invasive and incredibly painful. At 14, I had my first IUD put in without ever having a kid. So they had to literally dilate my cervix and it was, it felt like I had a wrench inside of me just twisting around and I've had, I think I'm on my third. So every time I get it removed and inserted, it is like, it, it's just like a horror movie. And the second one I had the strings tied around each other so they couldn't Mm -hmm. remove it and they had to put me under to take it out. And I'm like, I I hope for the next one I can just be put under for this experience because playing around with your cervix is no fucking joke. And now like the, the it's put in the right place. Like I remember the, my most recent one, the first time we had sex, my partner and I, he was like, oh, I feel this pinching. Like, I, I don't know if I'm touching the strings or not. And it's just, it makes you so vulnerable and makes you feel like, oh, what's wrong with me? Or, you know, this is just, it, there's just a lot, a lot that has to do with the IUD situation that can be harmful on the on the cervix oh, I feel like 100 percent. oh my god yes I hear so many horror stories about that and and like it is it is a trauma to your cervix like it creates scar tissue it creates you know irritation and inflammation and and it's yeah it's really I mean people come to me to to get some healing around their cervix and around the scar tissue once they've had IUDs in because then then there's like this pain memory in the body and so how are you supposed to like have cervical orgasms or how are you supposed to enjoy deep penetration when like that part of your body associates being touched with like severe pain you know so yeah that's a whole other topic though (laughs) I'm looking over your blogs on your website which are incredible by the way and one that stood out to me is called spontaneous arousal versus responsive arousal And Mm. myself being with someone for almost 11 fucking years, 
Spontaneous arousal is kind of out the picture, especially when you have four dogs (laughs) and a business to run and you're just like a multi-entrepreneur. So we have, you know, scheduled sex, which I'm totally okay with because I love sex, even if it's scheduled. But I find myself and my body having these cravings of spontaneous arousal, like you come home and you fuck me on the kitchen counter and just reading the word spontaneous versus I'm assuming responsive would be Mm -hmm. like, okay, we're in the room together. I am responding to you. We are about to do it. But it's completely lacking that natural gateway of opening up. And I wanted to kind of hear your thoughts about the two because this is kind of like an unspoken type of of sex, especially for people who've been in relationships for a while or perhaps older married Mm -hmm. couples because, you know, you may not be doing your date nights every Friday, especially with COVID and whatnot. And you know, how to kind of navigate the difference between these two and not being too hard on your partner when it's not as spontaneous as you'd prefer it to be. Like the movies make it seem like it should be. <laughs> totally. Yeah, love this question. Well, so firstly, like it's really natural that you would have that, I think that you said like a craving or a yearning for that spontaneity because like women in particular, we do crave novelty and mystery. And so that's why, you know, there's like that whole trope about, you know, being attracted to the bad boy rather than the the sweet guy. And we like want that kind of- in the wild yeah. or something. Yeah, like it's something primal. It's something that really gets like us excited. So we want the mystery and the newness and the novelty. But we also really need safety and security. And so those two things kind of like fly in the face of one another. And it's really tricky in long-term relationships because you've got so much of the safety and security, really tricky to build in novelty and mystery. So that's a very common thing. And I just wanted to like flag that. And I love that you schedule in sex. Like that's often homework that I give clients. I'm like, yeah, I know it doesn't seem sexy or romantic, but like fucking do it because honestly, you're going to be having way more sex if you schedule it in and you prioritize it in your diary, like you would a work commitment than if you didn't do it. And then you'll feel more shit about going like weeks, months without having sex. So wouldn't you rather just schedule it in and then you can build in the novelty and the mystery a around that scheduled sex you can like you can send little sexy texts in the lead up during the day about how you're looking forward to what you're going to do to each other that night you can like go to a new restaurant that you've never been to been to before and you can try new spicy things and like you can actually create heaps of novelty and mystery and excitement around a scheduled sex date if you put the effort in so that's one thing but what that blog post is about spontaneous arousal and responsive arousal is actually this cool thing that no one knows about and it's the fact that now we know about it (laughs) yes now you're about to know about it it's like there's a spontaneous arousal type and responsive arousal type and the majority of men or male-bodied people have spontaneous arousal, which means that they can get turned on at the drop of a fucking dinger. You know, they're just like, they don't need to, they could think about sex or they could like, they could just look at something that has nothing to do with sex and potentially get turned on. It's like that sort of, you know, when you see teenage boys in movies getting boners in class over over a textbook, you know, it's, it's very spontaneous. It happens upon them without a whole lot of prompting. So they can feel turned on or horny just cause, just, just Mm -hmm. cause. Whereas 
the majority of women, and this is just like rule of thumb, and often we sort of pendulate between the two. Sometimes we're mostly responsive and then every now and then we're spontaneous. But majority of female-bodied people have responsive arousal as their as their sort of um, main type of arousal, which means we don't get aroused just out of nowhere. We don't just get horny spontaneously and be like, oh, I want to have sex. We actually need our arousal to have something to respond to. So a sexually relevant stimuli that's actually going to like peak our arousal's interest and kickstart that process happening in our body. And that could be like watching a sex scene in a movie or like reading an erotic novel or it could be like for me, often I won't actually feel aroused right up until my clit's being touched or my nipples are being sucked or maybe with a passionate kiss, if it's really passionate and I'm ovulating, I'll start feeling a bit of that arousal happening in my body physically. But my arousal responds to specific things that my brain is like, okay, that's sexually relevant. My nipples are being sucked. That feels nice. That's a turn on, you know, or someone's touching my vulva or my clit. Okay, cool. Now arousal starting to build, but only in response to that physical touch. So like, the majority of women have responsive arousal, meaning that like we feel, we feel like we're broken if we're not just like feeling horny all the time and ready to have sex just whenever. And then if we've got like a male partner, often they have spontaneous arousal, which kind of is like the opposite of how our arousal works. So we feel like maybe we have a lower libido than them or we don't want to have sex as much. But that's not actually the case. Like we might have just as high libido. We might love sex just as much. But we just need a little bit more to get us to the point where our arousal actually starts generating in our bodies, if that makes sense. I love that. So how has your sex life changed after becoming a sex coach? Are you the only <laughs> queen now? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's so different. I can't imagine if I had stayed like where I was at, oh my fucking God, like, wow, it was, it was horrible. It was crippling and it was, it was really unsatisfying way to live. It was, it was not fun. And now I just feel like for the last, I don't know, seven years or something since I've been working on this stuff, sex is actually exciting and fun and pleasurable. And I'm like able to have multiple orgasms. I'm able to have like internal orgasms and cervical orgasms. I'm so much more compassionate towards my body. Like I feel, I feel like my sex life is just heaps better for sure. But then like so much of that is because my relationship with my body has changed and I feel I feel like this understanding of how my body works now. So rather than being like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I'm broken. I'm I'm not like lubricating right now or I'm not feeling turned on or my libido is down or all these things that maybe I would have thought before. Now I actually have an explanation for that. And I'm like, oh no, that's just arousal non-concordance. Or that's just my responsive arousal. And that's actually super normal for a woman. And women just need like 30 to 40 minutes of foreplay before we're ready for penetration. So now I know not to have sex before I'm ready because then it's going to be painful and I won't come. Now I take the time that I need. Now I know when I'm self-pleasuring myself, like what to do. And by the time I do have sex, I've done all of the right things and I'm like super in tune with what my body needs. And so then the outcome is obviously like heaps better. Well, did you find yourself feeling disappointed in the bedroom after knowing all this knowledge or does it feel like an educational lesson in the bedroom or do you kind of try to take it a little lighter and go with the flow? It's like I needed all that 
educational information to understand my body to the point where now I don't have to think about any of it. I just like know what I need and I know how to communicate that with a partner. Got it. That makes sense. Yeah, like it's not it's not something that I'm like it's not like put put the rubber gloves on, babe. (laughs) No, No. A lot of the time I practice what I preach and then some of the time I totally don't and I'm just like yeah I just feel like a quickie right now or like you know it's it's not it's never perfect and I'm never like following the rule book of like you know my sex coaching knowledge or whatever I think that would be like not very fun and pretty ridiculous and rigid yeah we kind of discussed that on uh, when you interviewed me last week because it was like you know if I'm doing all the sex work in the bedroom do I take that Mm. downstairs in my bedroom in real life but I kind of indulge in that separation and having the contrast of this kind of over exuded kinky sexuality on camera and then enjoying mm. the more simpler things in life every now totally. and then. Totally. <laughs> totally. Like I'm pretty vanilla really. Like I'm very open-minded, but like what I actually find erotic is like pretty, pretty chill, pretty vanilla. And like, you know, I've taught my partner how to give yoni massages and how to approach my body and how to touch me. So I've definitely used my knowledge to like coach him, but like we don't, yeah, it's not like a classroom when we have sex. We just fucking make love and it's great and, you know. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, my top suggestion for all of our sluts is to hop on a plane, go heal their trauma and see you and have a little session <laughs> because I'm ready to hop on a plane. Go see um, the finger fucking fairy. The finger fucking fairy. I love <laughs> Do you have any tips or maybe like suggestions for our sluts at home if they're not working with a healer or someone who's Mm. trained in this to be able to do and implement in their daily life to start working on some of those traumas or getting more associated with their body and just healing and loving themselves? Mm. Yeah. Well, I think like definitely starting to read, you know, like blog posts like mine or or Instagram accounts and things that have this sort of info and will help start to help get you understanding how your body works and giving you some ideas because I've got I'm just like oh well it would depend where they're at and what they needed but one thing that springs to mind is I just created an online course that basically teaches you how to do your own yoni mapping and yoni dearmoring how to do your own self-massage how to sort of like self-plate there's like so much in there actually it's like my entire life's work and all my best teachings and tips and tricks rolled into the one place and I've got guest like expert teachers that come in and have done workshops as well so that's like that's a three-month online course although you have access to it for like you know however long you need and that's been my like that's my offering for people who can't actually come and have a session with me it's kind of like my coaching and my yoni mapping rolled into one course so that they can do it at, at home at their own pace. So I can give you guys a little discount if you want to give listeners a um a discount. Give us the fucking discount. We love saving <laughs> money. <laughs> yeah, well I'll I'll give you that and you can pop it in the show notes. Yeah, like literally just my Instagram account, my podcast, like all of those sorts of things are like amazing resources because we talk about all of this sort of stuff heaps and you know lots of tips and tricks and teachings and stuff but there's great books as well like reading pussy a reclamation that's by regina tomashaw she's she's in the states she's incredible there's a book by naomi wolf called vagina <gasps> i've read that book and it actually showed me how to find the g-spot so i endorse that 100 percent. holy shit <laughs> and there's a book called cunt 
amazing. But like, there's so many, but you know, feel free to get in touch with me on Instagram and just be like, yo, what were those book recommendations? Or like, where should I start? Because I've got so many resources. Yes. Let us know your uh, Instagram, your website, so the hoes can keep this going. Yeah. Freya, freyagraf.com. So F-R-E-Y-A-G-R-A-F. I'm sure the links will be in the show notes though. So freyagraf.com is my website. The Labia Lounge is my podcast. It's on all the potty platforms. Uh, My Instagram account is freyagraf underscore the Labia Lounge. And I've also got like a Labia Lounge Facebook group, which is for listeners of the podcast. So feel free to jump in there because like there's often some, you know, content um, and resources that I that I post in there as well. Those are the main platforms that I hang out really. I haven't gotten the hang of TikTok yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you need some help, let, uh, you know, we can always have a little TikTok schooling episode because that's, that's my forte. <laughs> I suck at all that stuff. I need to get onto it. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> you just got to dive in. <laughs> <laughs> This has been wonderful, and I thank you for coming on and talking to our sluts and talking to us and telling us where the fuck to find our G spot. Seriously, I (laughs) if you didn't have another show to go to, I would have talked your fucking ear off. You are literally an angel amongst us. You are doing (laughs) the work that so many of us are not qualified for, that is needed and desired and appreciated. So thank you so much for jumping on the show and being a part of the Sludgepreneur family. I can't even say my fucking show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's a tongue twister. I've I've tried to say that. I was like, I'm going on the Sludgepreneur show. We only like tongue twisters on our pussies. (laughs) (laughs) I set you up for that. That was great. You did. Uh, Oh, such a pleasure, babes. Thank you so much for having me. I wish I didn't have another potty as well. We should should do another one. We can do a follow-up if you want. I know. I need to have something structured next time because you just are – there's so much in your Rolodex to go through. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Well, I'm yours. (laughs) Blessing and a curse, right? Thank you so much, Freya. Pleasure. All right, sluts, it's the end of the show, so it's time to plug ourselves and pay some bills. So lube up. If you want to keep the show going and learn more about me and the team it takes to run this empire, you can check more out at professionalgoddess.com. My YouTubes, all my books, they're linked in the description of this episode. Want to send us love notes? Have questions or want to collab? Send us a message at management at professionalgoddess.com. And remember, every time you leave a five-star review, a unicorn has an orgasm. So keep the big O's coming. If you want to check out our socials, you can find the Sluttrepreneur Podcast on Instagram. Connect with me on Insta at Miss Mothership and on TikTok at Rebecca Blue and at Weird Things I Sell. And connect with me on Insta at Strictly Biz Liz and Mostly Biz Liz on TikTok. We also have an X-rated Discord chat to connect with other sluts in the industry. DM us at Sluttrepreneur on Insta to get the invite link. Lastly, if you want to get all up inside me, follow my free OnlyFans at Rebecca Blue and my explicit page at Rebecca Rabbit. Thanks for listening. We love you so much. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, refuse to be anything but successful. So go make that money, honey. We'll see you next time, queens. Bye. Bye.